0: Fact. More
1: than 30- welcome everybody to another edition of the Thursday night Grueling Truth NFL football show. I'm your host as always, Mike Goodpaster, and I want to welcome in as always my co host, Matt Andrew Scavage. How you doing, Matt?
0: I'm very good, Mike. Hope you're having a good day as well.
1: Uh yes I am. Um we're supposed to have Kenny Easley as a guest tonight. Um he was supposed to be in last week. We had problems with the blog talk radio. Um don't know if that's an issue right now or not. So hopefully Kenny will be with us shortly. Uh, we got a caller. This Kenny. Hello. Yes. Yeah. How you doing, Kenny? I'm doing fine. How are you tonight? All right. I'm Mike Goodpasture. I'm one of the hosts with Matt Andrew Matt's on here too. You want to say hi to Kenny, Matt?
0: Hi, Kenny. This is Matt. Uh, really good to have you on tonight.
1: Oh, fantastic. Glad to be here. All right. Well, let's go ahead. I mean, to the listeners, we've got, I mean, I think one of the top three or four safeties in the history of the NFL, Kenny Easley, is our guest tonight. Um, Great to have you on the show, Kenny. Let's just start off with, you know, let's go back to your youth. What made you fall in love with football?
2: Well, I played all the sports.
1: Uh, You know, I I
2: played baseball, uh, basketball, and football, and ran track and uh I believe that uh doing those things uh you know all the sports uh not only helped me uh develop you know athletically but uh it uh made me competitive I mean you know having you know having trying to learn how to play you know, the various sports so uh I I really thought you know for a long time that uh my uh my best sport was basketball uh, i mean that was that was really the sport that i loved uh, and, and that i wa- that I wanted to play uh but uh you know as I got into high school uh it was you know i only grown to like six two and and uh no way I was gonna be anything other than a than a shooting guard or a point guard or something like that and uh and in high school i played uh I played center on our basketball team as, at 62 and we had we had two guys that were taller than I was but because I could jump higher uh, you know I was I was the center. So uh anyway so I wasn't going to get any any taller and uh I was playing football and uh but uh and, and, and football came, you know, fairly easy for me but uh uh, so, but I think it it really helped with my competitiveness, and it, and and I I try to talk young kids uh, out, of, out of out of specializing. You know, I, today I see so many young kids special trying to specialize in one sport. I think it's such a such a mistake uh, that when you know a nine year old kid is going to specialize in in baseball or he's going to specialize in football. I mean, play all the sports. I mean, that's how you—that's how you become competitive, and that's how you learn how to play. Uh, so, um, um, you know, so I mean, that's just just you know my opinion and uh, and the way that uh, uh, that uh, I sort of uh, go about uh, went about anyway, uh, you know, deciding what I was going to do.
0: Well, so you, you played a lot of the sports. Um, give you basically a well-rounded um, ability to play a number of things. At what point did you know that you know football is the way that I want to go? And uh, what, at what point did, did that become reality for you?
2: Uh, like I said, uh, you know, basketball was my was my thing, but uh, I wasn't going to get any taller, so uh I kinda knew early on. I mean I didn't think you know I didn't uh you know, I didn't have anybody in my family that uh, in my immediate family that was probably taller than six two and I think uh I reached that uh, by about the ninth grade. Uh, so uh I was pretty much headed, you know, in the, in the direction of football all along, and uh, I mean, I like football, but I thought I was a better basketball player uh, than a football player, uh, uh, but, uh, but football was, I mean, just like basketball, came easy for me, uh, and uh, uh, the interesting thing is, is that I, you know, I, I really decided early on that if I was going to play football, I I wanted to be a defensive back, I mean, I also played quarterback, uh, I was a quarterback and a safety in high school and, uh, and, and, and little league and so forth, but I never wanted to be a quarterback. I mean, uh, and I can't, I, and people ask me, you know, why don't you want to play, you know, why didn't you want to play quarterback? And, uh, I think I was smart enough to know that I, I was just a good athlete playing, you know, playing to position quarterback. Uh, but at safety, uh, you know, I was not only a good athlete playing the position, but I was good at it, and I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I was better than most other people. And that wasn't the case uh, at quarterback.
1: Um, who were some of the biggest influences of your football career as a young child, maybe high school, college, pro? Well, the
2: young child was my father. I mean, my dad—he uh, coached you know, all of my little league teams and, uh, peewee teams and football and so forth. So, uh, uh, I don't think I had a coach, another coach other than my father until I got into junior high school. And, um, and then when I got into high school, um, uh, my high school coach, Tommy Rhodes, uh, was big influence on, on me because, uh, he sort of helped me uh, you know, shape my career as to what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, uh, uh, although he wanted me to play quarterback. He thought I was good enough to play quarterback at the college level, and so did a lot of other coaches because when, uh, in fact, uh, I was recruited by more coaches as a quarterback. Uh, the, the final two schools that it came down between, which was Michigan and UCLA, both uh, both Bo, both, uh, bo Shembecker and Terry Donahue wanted me initially as a quarterback. But when I told them that I didn't want to play quarterback, I mean, he, you know, both gave me the oddest look you would, you, you you could never imagine uh, that some kid who uh, is getting is here getting a, a an offer to play quarterback at at a major university don't want to play quarterback. He wants to play defensive back and. Uh, and uh and the deal maker was uh, uh oddly enough uh, uh my mother said uh, you know uh, well he wants to play safety uh so if uh, if i turn him over, over to either one of you coaches and you get him on campus uh are you going to switch him to quarterback uh when you get him on uh, on campus and Bo and Bo you know, honest as, as as the day is long, uh, said Miss Easley, I you know I I I can't make you that promise that uh, that uh, we're 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 not going to do that because we believe right now that if we had him at quarterback, uh, uh, you know, we can win the Big Ten. And uh, and Terry Nana you said to, to my mother, Miss Easley, if your son wants to play uh defensive back safety, um, uh, that's what he's gonna play. And he said, I feel that, you know, you know, Kenny is gonna be, you know, by his senior year he's gonna be an all American safety. Uh and and um the only problem with that was that uh you know Terry Down he was just a couple years off you know, because I became an all American my sophomore year.
0: How did you end up uh, going? end up deciding on uh, UCLA. Yeah,
2: I, I, you know, like I said, I, you know, it was Terry Donahue's uh, uh, Terry Donahue's uh, decision to tell my mother that uh, that uh, if I if he had me if he got me on campus he would not uh, switch me from you know, free safety quarterback, uh, then if I wanted to play defensive back then that's what I was gonna play. And I mean that was the I mean that was the that was the deal maker. I mean mean once 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 he said that to her, uh, she sort of gave me a look and I gave her a look like, you know, that's where we're going. And uh I remember there were several coaches uh in my in my high school that thought that uh it was not a good idea for, you know, a kid from, you know, Chesapeake, Virginia, South Norfolk, Virginia, anyway, uh, to go to, you know, big major university like UCLA. I remember several of the coaches telling me, you're a small-town kid, you need to go to a small-town school, like, you know, maybe Norfolk State University or Virginia State or Morgan State or something like that. And... Uh, you know i i just knew for a long time that uh i and there's nothing wrong with morgan state or norfolk state or virginia state or any of those schools i just knew that i just knew that uh if i was going to play college football that i wanted to play at uh at, at a higher level than than those schools and uh in fact, I had three sisters that graduated from uh, Norfolk State University and uh, a lot of family members that went to Virginia State. My father went to Virginia State uh, University, in fact. And, uh, and so, again, nothing wrong with those uh, those those schools. Uh, it's
1: just that I, I, I had bigger idea of playing at a higher level. Yeah. Um, well, you get drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. um and what kind of was the atmosphere when you first got to Seattle in the early nineteen eighties and I mean what was your feelings about being drafted or being drafted by them?
2: Well first of all I was very surprised to get drafted drafted by them and because um uh I you know, uh doing the process of I guess where they like a combine back in those days we didn't have a combine you know they the coaches would come to the school and they uh, you know we would uh you know get uh looked over and physicals and all that stuff and and um and so forth and 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 uh you know i had been told that i would i would probably go somewhere in the top 10 picks uh in a draft and uh and so, you know, I was really excited about that. Uh, but of the first eight teams uh, of which Seattle was the number four pick in the draft, uh, they never worked... They were the only team that did not work me out. I mean, I worked out for the top eight draft drafting teams, and Seattle never worked me out. So I had no idea I was going to go to Seattle. In fact, the day before the draft, Bill Walsh and his entire defensive staff came down to UCLA and worked me out out on uh, Spalding Field. Worked out for about an hour and a half, two hours, and then afterwards, uh, Bill Walsh told me to go in and take a shower. He was going to meet. He was going to. He and his entire defensive st- staff were going to meet me in uh, poly Pavilion uh, afterwards. And so I took a shower, came out, and. We're sitting up in Paul Pavilion, and uh, Bill says to me, uh, tomorrow we have the eighth pick in the first round. If you're available, we'd like to draft you. Are you okay with that? You know, I said, Absolutely. I'd love to go to San Francisco. I thought San Francisco was just on the cusp but uh, you know, if they could, you know, get their defense going and so forth, that, you know, they were going to be really a fantastic team. Uh, you know, they – had Dwight Clark already, and Joe Montana, and Freddie Solomon, and you know a lot of a lot of really outstanding offensive players, and uh, and they just needed to get that defense going, and uh, and uh, and I thought that I could really help them. Uh, you know, they were going to play me at free safety, and uh, uh, that was known. And uh, and then you know uh, several hours later, I'd you know whatever time the draft came on in the NFL, I mean, for, for the NFL draft. Um, I, I vividly recall, you know, Pete Rose, I mean, Pete Roselle Pete saying, with the fourth pick, the Seattle Seahawks select from UCLA, uh, Ken Eastland, I'm saying you know, something is wrong here. Uh, I'm supposed to be going to San Francisco. <laughs> And uh, but San Francisco wanted a defensive back, and uh, and so they went across town and got the best defensive back in the land, Ronnie Lott, and uh, and Ronnie Lott had a great career with you know for them. Uh, I think he won three or four Super Bowls. Uh, you know, great All Pro football player, Hall of Famer. You know, just deserving of all the accolades that uh, that he that he that he got and he earned. Uh, but uh, when I got to Seattle, I mean, you know, it was it was disappointing initially because uh, I had my mind set on going to San Francisco. And I thought that that was going to be uh, where I was going to be playing football the next couple of years. And uh, and I got to Seattle. Well, you know, what a, what a lot of people don't understand, when I got there in 1981, uh, the franchise was only five years old. I mean, they, they, they had just come into existence, you know, five years earlier in 1976. So uh, they had a lot of players that, you know, just was not very good. Now, look, let, uh, let me tell you something now. Uh, Seattle fans have always been the greatest fans in the world. I mean, they were just as uh, boisterous and just as vocal as as they are today. And uh, and the team was not very good. I mean, basically with Steve Largent and uh and Jim's Jim Zorn's show, and the defense, I mean, they they put up a lot of points because they were creative and and uh, the defense just sort of hung in there. They beat teams by outscoring them uh because they couldn't stop anybody on defense. Uh but when Chuck Knox came there and uh, Jack Patera was fired in eighty two, I believe, uh, and uh and Chuck Knox came in, uh, I think for four or five years in a row, the number one draft pick was a was, was defensive guy. Uh, from Jeff Bryant to Terry Taylor, Jacob Green, just number ones after number ones after number one. Myself and, uh, and that's how we, we became competitive and, uh, the defense caught up with the offense. We got a few more, we got a few more offensive weapons and Kurt Warner uh, running back out of Penn state and, uh, and, uh, receiver Daryl Turner out of Michigan state. Uh, and, uh, and Steve and Jim was, was still there and Sam McCullum and, um, we started to put something together, and in and in 1983, uh, after being in Seattle in just you know uh, just for two years, uh, we we fielded the first playoff team in 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 Seahawks franchise history. 1983 Seahawks. Uh, we went uh, all the way to the AFC Championship game against the L.A. Raiders at the time and And lost to them in that in that game, but uh man, I mean we were sky high i mean we were we were really excited chuck knock that, that was was knock i believe first year, and there was nothing absolutely nothing that was gonna that uh, or anybody's gonna tell me that nineteen eighty four we weren't gonna be uh right back in the same position- <clears throat> excuse me right back in the same position. Uh, challenging for the Super Bowl. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't, uh, uh, you know, fate intervened. And uh, the team that we had beaten to get into the AFC Championship game, the Miami Dolphins, uh, beat us in the first round in 1984.
0: Right, which, uh, you yeah, know, I remember uh, <clears throat> reading that, uh, you know, when you guys beat them in 83 to go to the AFC Championship, you felt like that was the most important victory of your career. Uh your your team is definitely getting better at this point. And then in nineteen eighty four, um, you get to showcase a little bit more of your talents, so you, uh at Punt Returner and uh you had the you had the year of your career, the defensive player of the year and uh still uh put up a good playoff run uh you know, how how special was that uh eighty four season to you?
2: Well, it was a great season but very disappointing like I said. Uh you couldn't have told anybody on that 83 team that uh that we weren't going to go be right back in the same position challenging for the for the ASC championship game to go to the Super Bowl the next year.
1: And uh we got
2: out of the gate great. I mean, before you knew it we had won like eight games in a row. At the time was at the time was a club club record. And uh, and I don't believe a single player on the team knew that we had won eight games in a row. And I remember John Harris, who was uh, our free safety, uh, telling me one day in the locker room we were getting ready to go out of practice, and he says, uh, he says, uh, you know, we won eight games in a row. And I and I honestly did not because we were having so much fun just winning games. That uh, we were just we were on a, on a on a high. I mean, we were just on a a sky high, and uh, and uh, we ended up losing four games that season. We were twelve and four, which was also a club record at the time. Um, and um, and like I said, ran into a buck saw. So we went back to Miami, but I'm telling you, you could not have told anybody on that football team that if we play Miami again. That we weren't going to beat them because we 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 were certain that we could beat Miami if we ran into them again, and unfortunately we played them in Miami again, and uh, you know after embarrassing them in '83 because they were expected to go to the Super Bowl themselves in 1983, uh, it's, it's you know probably a little bit harder to beat a team that uh, has a mission. And that's on a mission that, that they were in 1984, and uh, uh, I remember the game as as if it was yesterday because uh, it's the only game I ever cried. I mean, I mean like a river of tears. I mean, I could not stop crying. I was I was so hurt that we had lost that game because I was so certain uh, that we were going to win the game. And, uh, and 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 be right back in position to challenge for the AFC championship game, and um, and we lost. And man, I I don't think I have ever been so hurt uh, in my athletic career. I mean, ever, absolutely ever.
1: All right. Right now, I'd like to right remind people that our show is forty-five minutes. First half hour is live. The last fifteen minutes are archive time. So in about three minutes the live part will cut off at midnight tonight Eastern time, which is a little over thirty minutes from now, you'll be able to catch the complete show. You can catch it on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Tune In Radio. So make sure you check out the rest of the interview here. I've got one more football question for you, Kenny, and then I want to talk about what you're doing today. Um you mentioned Chuck Knox. I mean, what was Chuck Knox like to play for?
2: uh Chuck was a uh, was straightforward the, the, the one thing about Chuck is that you knew where he he stood and you knew what he wanted from you because he told you and I appreciated that uh some people that was in the front uh, you know want to coach you you know just you know, particularly at that level, on 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 the professional level, you know, you don't just jump in people's face and you know tell them that they're, they're, they're lousy or they're not playing well and so forth. But Chuck was that kind of guy, you know. Chuck was from Swickley, Pennsylvania, and, you know, and uh, in Swickley they didn't, uh, you know, I guess they didn't play much, <laughs> you know? and uh, so Chuck would uh, get in front of your face, he'd turn his turn his ball cap around backwards and and he was right back on uh, on the streets of Swickley uh, PA and uh, and and I liked that about him I mean I appreciated it about him that if if he if he didn't like something that I was doing I mean he would call me up in his office and say hey look I mean I expect more from you and I, I need and I need it period and uh and and I knew what that meant you know you know get my butt in gear and you know you know give him giving him more than what I'm I'm giving him if I could, if I could have given more, and uh, and uh, there were times when uh, uh, when I couldn't give him more because I was injured. I played in, I, you know, I played in too many games where I was I was injured. I mean, I was really hurt. I mean, I wasn't just injured, but I was hurt. And I, you know, sucked it up and went out there and played. And I didn't play very well in those games, uh, uh, but. Uh, you know, I bought into the hype that uh, that you know a uh, Ken Easley playing at half his capacity is still you know better than you know the other players out on the football field. I mean, that's what Chuck used to always say, you know, to, uh, to me. And uh, and so I bought into that mess. And uh, but uh, I should have been you know definitely on the bench. Uh, but. That was Chuck. I mean that that was the way he got the you know got the maximum out of his people, and uh, and and that's that's the reason why he was a successful uh, head coach. And, um, and you know certainly you know I wouldn't uh, you know advocate to anybody play when they when they're injured or when they're hurt, uh, but there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. Being injured is. Is you know when you really can't get out there and and do what you do normally, being hurt. I mean, I mean everybody is hurt. I mean, after every game on Sundays, you you're gonna find some hurt on on anybody who plays in the game, and uh, because that's just the nature of, of football, you're gonna get hurt. But injured is just a different thing, and I just played in you know too many games injured. Uh, uh, for him uh, back in back in those days.
0: Well, um it looks like uh you got a a big celebrity golf uh classic coming up. Um I, I believe it's called the 5th annual GTA which is the Greater Trinity Academy Celebrity Golf Classic uh, hosted by yourself. Um coming up uh, July 22nd going to run through July 24th. Um Tell us a little bit about uh, the golf tournament that's coming up and uh, and what made you get involved with uh, the Greater Trinity Academy uh, charity.
2: Well, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen a kid in a classroom who, when he or she gets it, the energy that they display in trying to get their teacher's attention so that they can answer the question, and uh, that's what the, that was the thing that, that 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 got me interested in these kids uh, because I I see this the, the, this energy that they that they display when they when they got it when they understood what the teacher was talking about, and that's a and that's an interesting thing to see when you see a kid who gets it. The light goes on, and uh, you you can just tell by the energy that they uh, that they are exuding uh, that they get it, and they want to tell the teacher and everybody else in the classroom that they get it. And uh, and when I was over at GTA GTA Greater Trinity uh, watching these kids, I was just absolutely amazed at uh, how young these kids were and. And how much these kids understood about education and uh uh it just showed me the just how powerful the mind is and and you know how we can't take our young young kids' minds for granted because these kids uh are i saw kids that were two years old and three years old doing uh um uh, doing math doing division doing subtraction doing multiplication at two and three years old. And I don't believe I probably learned multiplication and all that stuff, uh, division, maybe to fifth or sixth grade, maybe. And these kids are, you know, are are six years old, and some are three and four years old, and they can do multiplication and and division with the best of them. And uh, so I just became excited about that because I, I knew that these kids had a chance. These kids had a chance, and uh, if they could just stay out of the way of, of, of trouble uh, when they weren't when they weren't in school, then these kids had a chance uh, to be successful and, and to make it in life. And uh, I figured that I would get involved uh, to help raise money for the kids because many of the kids were underprivileged and uh, they were at the they were at the school on on scholarships where uh various companies or businesses had uh had uh, supported these scholarships so what we decided to do was was to start this golf tournament and I told uh the executive director that I would host it for him and um uh, call some of my friends and uh and uh, and uh, former teammates and so forth, and we'll put put on a golf tournament and and raise some money so that we can you know create a scholarship opportunity for a lot of these these brilliant young kids. And uh, so that's what we've been doing for five years. And I mean to tell you, uh, every year I go back, I'm just absolutely amazed at uh, what I what I see, and uh, it's absolutely heartwarming that. Uh, that uh what we do out there on the golf course in terms of raising funds is 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 very significant for these kids and they appreciate it by showing us uh that they get it they understand it and when you when you see the kid with with that type of excitement on his face uh it's something that you will never forget
1: well tell us a little bit about the celebrities who are invited to your golf tournament
2: uh well this year we got uh Jack Thompson, uh, uh the old th- uh, throwing Samoan, uh Jack Sigma, we got Pee Wee Harrison, a former Globetrotter, uh Sydney Rice, who played for the Vikings and the Seahawks, uh Jay Buner, my former neighbor by the way, uh, in, uh who played for the Mariners, uh Kurt Warner, uh Seahawks running former Seahawks running back, uh Tony Brothers, NBA referee, who's still referees today, Sean Kemp, former Sonic, Blair Bush, Charlie Young, Joe Tafoe, Edwin Bailey, just a whole plethora of uh of, you know, great guys that come out and devote their time and energy to uh these kids and I just really appreciate all of them that uh that come out and uh, and help us out.
0: Are there any uh, other events that you'd like uh, uh, everyone to know about? Uh, They're going to yeah, be the, at uh, the tournament. Sorry.
2: Yeah, on uh, Wednesday, the twenty third, July twenty third, we have a celebrity welcome, a celebrity and sponsor welcome dinner, at uh, at Novelty Hill Winery. Uh, that will start at uh, seven o'clock on Wednesday, July twenty third open to the public. Uh, I forgot what the fee is to get in, uh, but it's something minimal. And then on on Thursday, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that's Wednesday, July 22nd. On uh, Thursday, July 23rd, we have our celebrity shootout uh where we have 15 celebrities uh over 9 holes uh last three guys standing uh play the final three holes 16 17 and 18 for the shootout championship which is a fun deal is is that's 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 the real golf that we play uh because you have to play your own ball and uh and uh that's, that's, a, that's a lot of fun So do you
1: play in in the golf tournament yourself, Kenny?
2: I have in the past. I haven't played the last two years. I mean, I've been to the tournament. I didn't play the last two years. But I'm going to try to play uh, this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I haven't played in a couple years. So Uh, Thursday night we uh, we have a live concert featuring Kalimba which is a a tribute band to Earth One and Fire. And if you like the Earth One and Fire from the seventies then uh this group is uh is as good as it's gonna get to be Earth One to not be the real thing. Uh these guys are really fantastic musicians and uh they they absolutely do great justice to uh the legendary group uh, Earth Wind and Fire. Uh and then on oh. uh Friday, July Take pardon? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, then on Friday, July twenty fourth is the actual uh celebrity golf event uh at Willows Run uh in uh, Redmond, uh, Washington. So we got a full week of stuff and uh looking forward to it, uh um and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, the kids, and looking forward to seeing you know, all the celebrity players, and uh, and very thankful to uh, you know all of the sponsors that uh, uh, that you know support the, the the GTA Classic. But I need to also say you know that I, I give a shout out uh, to my my dynamite uh, golf staff, uh, led by Charles Biggers and. The irrepressible nims scarum uh they are just a fantastic group of people that uh that do this uh uncompensated and uh no one on the staff gets you know gets paid a dime but uh we probably put on one of the uh tournaments in the in the northwest every year and uh so very excited you know and very happy uh, for our golf committee because they they've put together another outstanding event uh, uh, for uh, 2015.
1: Well, it sounds like a great time, a great event for a great cause. Um, got to be wrapping this up. We're almost out of time. So is there a website people can go to to get all this information also?
2: Yeah, they can go to uh, golf dot com and uh and uh, and all of that stuff that I just mentioned is is right there on the website as well all
1: right, well, hey, it was i mean it was truly an honor to have you on, like I said, you were one of my favorite players when I was younger. I mean, it's really great to hear the things you're doing in your community to make a difference. It would be great if everybody would do that athletes, regular people, anybody that can get out there and help. Anybody can go to Kenny Easley. Remember it's Golf dot com, And I believe that starts next week. Um, Matt, you got any closing questions or comments?
0: Kenny, I'd just like to say, uh, thank you again very much for, uh, being with us tonight. Like Mike said, you were also one of my very favorite players, uh, growing up and, uh, got to see it. And, uh, I always enjoy watching you play, and it's really great to hear about the things that you're doing today.
2: Well, thank you, Matt. And I also want to thank you because I didn't know until just probably a couple of days ago that uh, because my my youngest daughter sent me an article that she had found in the the newspaper uh, from this fellow named Matt, I can't pronounce your last name,
1: and uh nobody can Kenny. he don't worry about <laughs> it <laughs> and uh and
2: I read the article and I said well, that's interesting it was very nice of him to do that because you know I've been out of the game for you know a long time and certainly uh you know there was probably no reason for him to write the article and uh but uh, because you know you decided to write the article and you wrote it very well i thought it was very well done and um and, uh, and 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 all the facts were uh, in line and uh so i want to thank you for for doing that because it certainly uh, was enjoyable for my daughter to read uh and uh because she she wasn't born when i was when i played football and so she can only look at pictures and uh and stuff like that uh about my playing days but when she reads stuff that people say, you know, nicely about my career then it it really makes her feel good and uh, so she shared it with all of her classmates up up at school, uh, at Howard University and uh, so thank you very much.
0: Well thank you. I, it's that's an honor. I, I it was an honor to write it and I'm I'm truly honored that uh that you're able to read it and enjoyed it. I, I appreciate that. Well, like I said,
1: we're out of time, so thanks again to Kenny Easley for being on the show. Um, yeah, Matt, that was a good interview. And, you know, he gave props out to your Sports rants article. He even said it was well-written, which, you know, I know you got an editor.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So, re-
1: so remember, you can hear all of our shows now on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher. We are, you know, global because we're you know, probably the best sports talk show you'll ever hear. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but make sure you join us next Tuesday night for the Grueling Truth Boxing Show. We'll be back next Thursday for the Grueling Truth Football Show. So for my co-host, Matt Andrew Scavage, who I know how to pronounce his name because I've known him a long time, I'm your host, Mike Pastor, and we will see you guys next week. You've been listening to the Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.